Chavez. And I'm Paul Schendel. Today we are cornholing the 2003 sci-fi movie called The Core. I say movie because this is not a film by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> First off, this is a spoiler alert. If you have not seen this movie, you are better off not seeing this movie. But if you have to see this before somebody starts tearing in a new asshole, please shut off this podcast. Go watch this movie. It's on Amazon right now. And uh, check it out and then come back and laugh along with us. If you have seen this movie, strap in. Enjoy. This is going to be a fun episode. I have a lot to say this week about this pile of shit. <laughs> and I have a lot of science-based questions for you, Paul. As an engineer, yeah. I, I have a lot of science-based questions. And I'm sure that you have a pretty good science moment that you rail, out. <laughs> rail on the science of this movie all day, but I'm going to hold back. <laughs> all right. All that being said, let's turn it over to Pablo Francisco for the log line. <clears throat> The only way to save Earth from catastrophe is to drill down to the core and set it spinning again. That is the official <laughs> fucking plot synopsis, Paul. Nice. IMDb. Paramount Pictures paid somebody to fucking write that. Can you believe that shit? I can't believe it. <laughs> it's a Paramount release through David Foster Productions and his uncredited association with Live Planet Productions. David Foster Wallace Productions, you might know from one of my guilty pleasures that I just bought on 4K Blu-ray this last month, The Mask of Zorro, as well as a slew of movies spanning more than 40 years. This this guy, David Foster, goes back to the 1972 Sam Peckinpah-directed Steve McQueen vehicle called The Getaway. You remember that flick? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a dope movie. It's got some uh, car chases, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's to put it lightly. But he also remade that movie with Alec Baldwin in the Steve McQueen role in 1994. And that's an unbelievably bad movie. But regardless, the absolute atrocity of a remake of The Fog that he did in 2005, as well as the classic shit movie Collateral Damage with Arnold, which is one of my guilty pleasures for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's dumb as shit. Dude, I just rewatched Commando like maybe a couple weeks ago. That movie is genius. <laughs> that movie that fucking movie. rocks, man. Like, <laughs> even as bad as it is, like, it fucking rocks. Yeah. My brother, my brother put me onto this guy on Reddit that he has this whole Reddit developed. Like, this guy has like Asperger's or something, but his entire Reddit is based on like these small movie facts. Like he counted the number of bullets that were shot at Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in the ending of Commando. Frame I was like, by frame. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing, man. Like, that, you know, people, people that are on the spectrum, they come up with this shit that I'm just like, that's a piece of knowledge that I never knew that I wanted. But now that I, <laughs> Now that I have it, my God, like my fucking life has changed because of it. But I digress. Live Planet, Live Planet, the other production company that was uncredited with this movie, you will know from a very bizarre mix of multiple movies that are both critically acclaimed as well as shit. But among those movies is Tron Legacy, American Pie 2, the excellent movie Gone Baby Gone, which was one of my favorite movies, top 10 from 2006 for sure. Joyride, that really weird Lily Sobieski, like horror film yeah. 
that was trying to be the hitcher, but it wasn't the hitcher. But anyway, <laughs> as well as Ridley Scott's really entertaining Nick Cage con man film called Matchstick Men. Live Planet is owned by this film's producer, Sean Bailey. He produced the aforementioned films as well as the upcoming adaptation of one of my favorite Neil Gaiman books, which is The Graveyard Book. He's got that on the docket. So based on his track record, it could either be really good or it could be completely <laughs> a piece of shit. David Foster, incidentally, died in December of 2019. But prior to him dying, he was well known for a lot of remakes and sequels. But he did make the 1986 Billy Crystal movie Running Scared, which I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he made that, which is pretty funny. And he did Short Circuit 1 and 2, which are very, very strange movies from my childhood that I don't like remembering, but I also <laughs> like remembering. But I don't know. They hold like this very weird place in my heart, kind of like Disney's The Black Hole with Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. You know, it's like there's moments in The Black Hole that are great, but like there's a lot of it that's fucking terrible. And it's like... <laughs> Okay, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's better, the nostalgia value or the bullshit. I really don't know. David Householder is the company man producer. He did the awful Tom Hardy starring Venom, as well as the even worse Passengers with J-Law, which is a real travesty because they absolutely brutalized the great script and made a completely forgettable movie out of it. But this movie stars Aaron Eckhart, who of course is unforgettable in The Dark Knight, Aaron Brockovich, as well as the criminally underwatched movie Thank You for Smoking, which I oh, fucking yeah. love classic. that movie, man. That script is Smoke. so cracking, man. <laughs> I love that fucking screen. Yeah. It's so good. But he has some real misfires in his career with like with the likes of Olympus Has Fallen, the 2006 remake, the 2006 remake of The Wicker Man, which no, geez, no, Jesus no. Christ, <laughs> that was uh, filmed uh, across the uh, the sound from my house. By the way, uh, that's a shame. Yeah, Dude, yeah, I don't understand that movie, man. Like. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the the sequel to The Wicker Man called The Wicker no, Tree. The Wicker not. Tree also by Robin Didn't know Hardy. it existed. Oh, dude. It's also a fucking visual abortion. Like, it's really bad. <laughs> but anyway, continuing on. He's also in uh, a really bad movie called Suspect Zero, which was actually one of the first movies that I had realized was being shot in Albuquerque during the time that it was being shot in Albuquerque. Yeah. You know, it's fucking terrible. And like, Ben Kingsley is in it. And it's just, it's inexplicable, dude. It's, it's so bad. But he, he, he also starred in one of your personal favorites, Paul, Paycheck. <laughs> Paycheck. Which is a god-awful fucking movie. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's move past. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's move past. Hillary Swank co-stars as hotshot pilot Rebecca, who prefers the name Beck. But let me just say, first and foremost, like, this woman is incredible. Like, I love Hillary Swank's career. Yeah. I love her movies. I love her ability. Like, she's been in some real misfires over the years. But even her misfires, it's not that egregious. Like, even this movie... <laughs> It's not the worst movie I've ever seen, so it's it's not like Aaron Eckhart where you're like, well, you're in the fucking Wicker Man, dude. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but, you know, Hilary Swank, I'll never forget her role in Boys Don't Cry, which won her her first Oscar, and her equally breathtaking role in Million Dollar Baby, which won her her second Oscar. But amongst her breath of work, she's been in some of my favorite movies, including Christopher Nolan's first studio picture, Insomnia, with Al Pacino, as well as the insane intersectional movie by Greg Marks called Eleven Fourteen. If you haven't seen that movie, it's like it's really fucking weird. Like Colin Hanks is in it, and Colin Hanks gets his dick chopped off by this window. It's it's something else. Like 
I, I don't know what to say in order to describe that movie. But she's also had her fair share of misfires, including P.S. I Love You, which I fucking hate that movie. New Year's Eve, which is the sequel to Valentine's Day. I really did think that they were just going to go through all the big holidays, Paul, like when they were talking yeah. about it. And when that when that fucking Josh Brolin, Kate Winslet movie called Labor Day was coming up, I was like, oh, what the fuck? And <laughs> And then, and then I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, okay, this this has nothing to do with like those other two movies. It's okay. Calm down. Take a breath. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was okay. But she was also in De Palma's really, really bad movie called The Black Dahlia. If you haven't seen that, that is a fucking movie, my friends. Like no. jo- Josh Hartnett fucks that movie up like really <laughs> badly. You know, he he's one of those guys I'm gonna have to like talk about on this podcast at some point because he was like he was like jettisoning to the top and then he just like shit the bed on everything and he's just <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on with that guy. I really I haven't mm. seen him in I haven't seen him since Lucky Number Slevin, which was like 2007, yeah. if mm. I remember correctly. It's been a while. Mm. But anyway, forcibly retired. Yeah. <laughs> You want to see an absolutely batshit movie with Hilary Swank? Check out The Hunt from this year. It's not a great movie by any means, but it's hilarious and it's lampooning of the rapid political and ideological gaps in America right now. And Swank is an intense in it, dude. Like, seriously, yeah. check it out. If for nothing else, the insanity of most dangerous game viewed through the 2020 American Instagram filter. <laughs> like, that's, nice. That's basically what it is. It's it's fucking bizarre, dude. But you know, I I hate to say that I liked it, but I. I I liked it, man. It was fun. Yeah. And Hilary Swank is built in that movie, man. Like for being what? <laughs> she she was born in 74, so that makes yeah. her what, 46? Like she oh. could kick some fucking ass in that movie. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But anyway, moving on. Veteran actor Bruce Greenwood stars as the captain of the worm boat. I actually really like this guy in Rules of Engagement in 13 Days. 13 Days he plays JFK and he's fucking great in it dude like that movie yeah. didn't get nearly enough attention for his performance but the rest of the movie's flawed as fuck but like he's pretty dope in it yeah. but anyway as well as low budget darlings like capote and meek's cutoff which are two fucking great movies more than anything though bruce's filmography is populated by movies and tv that pay the bills he yeah did a, he did irobot deja vu star <laughs> trek super eight and recently he was in dr sleep which is like a fucking absolutely forgettable like stephen king adaptation yeah. which is a real shame it's not terrible but it's not good you know and yeah. like that's that's a problem it's most he, stephen king ones <laughs> yeah i mean he's got he's got something like 193 writing credits on imdb or something like that yeah. and i i think i've maybe seen 20 25 things <laughs> from stephen king so i'm like a majority of what he makes i don't watch but anyway the excellent stanley tucci co-stars is the how the fuck is the scientist making this much money researcher <laughs> i mean this man has a gift but a gift that he does whatever with like he doesn't pick and choose like this man this man he's so fucking gifted dude as an actor but like he just he shoots blindly it's like he fucking throws he like takes all the script names the front title pages and just throws them up in the air and like stabs at him with a no stabs at him with a fucking skewer in order to get the one that he wanted and like he just does whatever comes out of the air it's fucking nuts with this guy he's great in road to perdition if you haven't seen road to perdition it's a solid solid movie with tom hanks and fucking stan mendez directs the shit 
get out of that movie. He's in Spotlight, Big Night, which is a fucking great movie. The Lovely Bones, which he's great in, even though that movie's not great. And Margin Call, which is one of my personal favorites. Like, mm. I, I haven't seen... Like, everybody talks about wall street right as being like this intense like cleverly scripted brilliantly directed movie but like the script itself without michael douglas is fucking whatever you know like if it wasn't michael douglas playing gordon gecko yeah we wouldn't give a shit but like boiler room i feel is a great movie about wall street that speaks specifically to the problems of wall street long before wolf of wall street got its hands on it you know what i mean and i feel like margin call is like the movie right between them that kind of balances the two like it's just this intense dialogue driven movie that's better than Boiler Room, but has the insanity that is Gordon Gecko. Yeah. And it's a good movie, man. Like it really is. Huh. But regardless, I'm I'm digressing again. <laughs> but he's also he's also in Transformers, which is one of my most hated um, movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the Battle Royale ripoff series that is the Hunger Games. <laughs> That's going to have to be a subject for one of these podcasts, Paul. Like, I, I got to go off on the Hunger Games because <laughs> I fucking hate what that woman did. Like, I, I really do, man. The fact that she didn't know that it was like this multi-series like book and manga and then multi-series movie series. And then she fucking writes these books. It goes completely insane. Makes all this yeah. money. They make all these movies which make a shitload of money. And she's like, oh, I didn't know that Battle Royale exists. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you can't. Seriously, but, but Stanley, Stanley Tucci was also in the share Christina Aguilera vehicle that's called Burlesque, which is a very, very bad movie. But continuing on, Six Feet Under, The Visitor, Shape of Water, and Burn After Reading star Richard Jenkins tries his best with his generic general character. But, but for real. It's a fucking shame, dude. More people don't know yeah. this guy's name. Like, he should be a yeah. household name. He's brilliant, man. man. Yeah, I love him. Even even beyond his dramatic roles, The Cabin in the Woods is some absolutely bad shit, insane, like, work <laughs> by Jenkins. And I, I love him in it, dude. I really do. He's yeah. a brilliant actor. And, like, the fact that people don't talk about him is a real fucking shame. But the always excellent Alfre Woodard brings up the rear in this pile of hot garbage. She's excellent in 12 Years a Slave, Star Trek First Contact, as well as as the underappreciated K-Pax, which has me reevaluating all of Kevin Spacey's movies in light of his diddling and general scumbaggery. Yeah, how do you watch his movies without that, like, hanging over it? It's just constant, dude. I mean, I I always had, like, a feeling about Kevin Spacey that something was wrong, but I always just thought he was a good actor. You just watch his movies and you're like, well, who did he molest in between shooting takes of this scene oh for oh. sure man like Fuck. it's it's fucked up but you know it's yeah. it's a shame because he's in so many great movies and you gotta like yeah. you know view it through that lens now like stop fucking children like just stop yeah. man seriously what the fuck's wrong with people <sighs> Moving on. She also co-starred in our previous episode movie, The Lion King, where she played Sarabi, Simba's fa- or Simba's oh. mother. Mm. I want to puke just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if you don't know Alfrey by name, you should. Crooklyn is one of my all-time favorites. Seriously, it's a fucking brilliant movie. And it's a fucking shame people don't know Alfrey by name. Speaking of Spike Lee movies, though, the incredible Delroy Lindo co-stars oh, the yeah. black... <laughs> He co-stars as the black guy that can sacrifice himself in order to help the white people. Seriously, I'm fucking, I'm fucking offended yeah. by this, dude. When 
when I was watching, I was like, oh, is he going to die first because he's a black guy or is he going to die last because he's a black guy? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turned I mean, out to be last. Yeah, it was last. <laughs> But seriously, I'm standing by that because his involvement and his character is fucking shameful in this movie. He gives them all the goddamn technology that they need in order to save the fucking earth. Then he's regulated in the meeting and for the rest of the fucking movie as being the gyro control dude. I'm like, he built the fucking thing. Like without his technology, you wouldn't be able to do this shit. Yeah. But you know, they just, they can't give him his just due because he's black or something. Like this is tone deaf as fuck, bro. Oh, you know what else he was in? Yeah. Congo. Congo. <laughs> yes. I have that in my notes. Thank you for <laughs> spoiling my joke. But Del- <laughs> Delroy is excellent in the aforementioned Crooklyn, Malcolm X, Heist, which is one of my very, oh, very God. favorite Mammoth and Gene Hackman. Oh, yeah. dude, he's so good in that movie. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite Mammoth and Gene Hackman movies, as well as Get Shorty, Clockers, Blood In, Blood Out, and one of my new favorite movies called The Five Bloods. Spike Lee's new one for I Netflix. Need to watch that. Seriously, yeah. dude, see The Five Bloods, man. Like Delroy Lindo should get some serious consideration later in the year because of his third act turn in that movie. He fucking goes on this monologue that's absolutely insane in a single yeah. take and i'm like dude that man that fucking guy right there man like delroy lindo <laughs> yeah. man they just they never give him his just due for all his amazingness delroy has also been in gone in 60 seconds which is fucking terrible <laughs> romeo must die opposite jet lee and congo he has the best line in that movie though man <laughs> come on <laughs> stop eating my fucking sesame cake god damn it <laughs> Uh, moving on some dickhead named cooper lane is responsible for the screenplay along with another dickhead named john rogers cooper lane's profile picture on imdb is literally a fucking selfie that he took in his trailer in the fucking mirror of his trailer dude like (laughs) it's shameful but he is known for this movie and the 2005 aggressively angry anal wart remake of a movie that is known as the fog it's terrible (laughs) that's it fuck you Fuck you, Cooper Lane. It's his only two (laughs) screenplay credits, dude. But regardless, John Rogers is known for such classics as American American Outlaws. Yes, that awful Colin Farrell movie, if you remember that fucking thing. I do not. (laughs) He's also responsible for a movie that nearly sank Halle Berry's career known as Catwoman. I'm sure you remember that shit. (laughs) He He also wrote the story for the first transformers movie god damn dude god damn (laughs) and an upcoming comedy romance called marry me with owen wilson and jennifer lopez i'll repeat that a movie where Mm. owen wilson and jennifer lopez fall in love (laughs) the fuck The core is directed by John Amiel, who did Entrapment with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Sean Connery. I'm sure you remember that shit, Paul, that fucking laser sequence in that movie. (laughs) Yep, there's laser sequence and then realizing that Sean Connery is like 80 in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, you can see that he's old in that movie. But he he also did the bizarre serial killer flick Copycat with Sigourney Reaver. You remember that fucking movie? I do know. Oh, uh, dude, that that's a weird one. But he's also responsible for the Bill Murray comedy spy flick called The Man Who Knew Too Little, mm-hmm. which I actually have a soft spot in yeah, my in one. my heart for that movie for sure. It is a it is a 
arduous 135 minutes long this fucking movie and was produced for 60 million dollars which to be honest you can see that it was made for 60 million dollars because they should have put more money in the visual effects work but more on that later (laughs) 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 it was released on march 28 2003 at 3019 theaters and opened at our lowest number yet 12 million dollars it opened at number two with the chris rock comedy head of state at the number one spot in its first week of release the john mctiernan directed sam jackson john travolta star starring mess known as basic in the number three spot in its first week the queen latifah steve martin comedy bringing down the house in the number four spot that was in its third week and the 2003 best picture winner chicago rounding out the top five in its 13th week of release side note i fucking hate (laughs) chicago for taking best picture dude that year the pianist the lord of the rings the two towers and gangs in new york were all nominated for best picture that year and they give it to fucking chicago Chicago? yeah seriously though man hollywood likes a musical i guess who's gonna remember chicago Who still remembers it? Short of me bringing it up right now, I challenge you to honestly think mm-hmm. the last time that you thought about Chicago and put it next to the other movies. When was the last time you thought about Lord of the Rings? Uh, when was the last yesterday. time you thought about The Pianist? When was the last Day time you yesterday. thought about When was the last time you thought about Gangs of New York, bro? Uh, Fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. I think Day I watched Lewis. it a month ago, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> has like fucking embedded himself in my yeah. nightmares because of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> him him taking the knife and tapping his eyeball yeah, like <laughs> dude he actually he actually had a glass scleroid lens put in his eye so that way he could tap his eye with a prop knife <laughs> the guy's insane but you yeah. know i mean you're never Look. gonna re- i can't remember anything about chicago because they don't give a uh. fuck but you know maybe maybe there's some credit to being given to the conspiracy theory that scumbag rapist harvey weinstein bought the oscar like he did uh, with shakespeare yeah. in love but whatever yeah. i digress again <laughs> <laughs> It was in the core was in theaters for 279 days. They just wouldn't let it die, Paul, because over 279 <laughs> days it made a stunning total domestic release of wait for it. I'm waiting. 31 million dollars. Oof. <laughs> it also made 42 million dollars in the box office worldwide, which is fucking terrible for, especially for a sci-fi action movie, man. Like, but the total haul on this movie was 73 million over fucking 279 days. All they could get was 73 million, but this makes a, this makes it our first official box office bomb. This opening makes the core the 156th opening of all time for the month of March. Think about that. 156th of all time of the movies opening in March. Like that's not even, it's not even like of all time of like all movies. It's like just movies opening in March. (laughs) It's the 156th of all of those. Yeah. March is not, it's not a good time. (laughs) Not a good time. But you know, I mean, such great movies like Get Out were released in March and that made a fuck ton of money you know what i mean (laughs) but regardless the kurt russell b movie classic executive decision from 1996 ranks above it (laughs) 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 while the mike nichols directed john travolta flick primary colors from 1998 follows it so it's like it's stuck in the sweet spot because those other two movies they do actually like like as much as i don't want to admit that i like either one (laughs) (laughs) 
But regardless, this opening also makes the core the 120th worst opening of a movie in more than 3,000 theaters. 120th overall. Uh, the Justin Timberlake, Amanda Seyfried movie In Time ranks above it, and the 2011 animation flick Arthur Christmas ranks below it. Its lowest grossing country was Croatia, with $1,125 on its opening weekend and a $8,919 gross. Nice. Croatia's highest grossing <laughs> movie of all time, for instance, was 2017's Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi <laughs> with $3,254,000 nice. worth of gross. It also set records for opening weekend in Croatia with a $382,376 opening. So suck it, Paul, Trip, and everybody else that doesn't like Episode Eight. At least Croatia can appreciate a good movie, you dickheads. <laughs> I digress again. Uh, With a population of 4,305,725 people, about half the population in New York City during the same year, and an average cost of 3.26 Croatian kunas, or HRK as is the abbreviation, per ticket in 2003, or get this, Paul, the conversion rate from 3.26 Croatian kunas is 45 cents American per ticket hmm. in order to go see this so that's a pretty good deal yeah it's not bad I'd seriously <laughs> I'd, pay that. I'd pay 45 cents to see this movie but <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> that brings total asses and seats to 2481.25 people saw this opening nice. weekend in croatia god damn johnny quarter slice rides again that yeah. motherfucker <laughs> I feel like I feel like he's uh, he's Waldo, right? Like hunting yeah. for this striped shirt twat and a giant <laughs> fucking crowd of people is the challenge every week to find where he wandered off in order to go to the cinema. <laughs> the core has a 5.5 with 90,761 votes on IMDb, a 48% on Metacritic, and a splatty tomato of 40% on Rotten Tomatoes with a stunning. 34% audience score, man. Like it's, Ooh, it's even wow. worse with the audience. You know, the audience man. score is lower than the critic score. That's, that's saying, saying something. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, also beyond that, the fact that the audience score of the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes versus the ratings on IMDb are so disparate, like 3.4 yeah. on IMDb is terrible. <laughs> and like 5.5 is like middle of the ground. Like that still rates better than Armageddon, according to the users on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, stunningly enough, there are 3,560 people on IMDb that rated this movie a perfect 10, Paul. Wow. Figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite reviews begin with Tom Long of the Detroit News. Tom says, The core is formulaic Hollywood swill done on such an epic scale of incompetency it must be seen. <laughs> New York Times legendary film critic Elvis Mitchell postulates, the brazen silliness of the core is becalming and inauthentic. Like taking a bath in non-dairy coffee creamer. <laughs> The Earth's core, the Earth's core's inability to turn is mirrored in the cast's inability to give the picture any spin. And my final favorite review comes from the late great film critic Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun Times. Rest in peace, Ebert. He really was my favorite film critic, man. Yeah. I can't speak highly enough about the man. He could take golden shits on movies for he sure. Should. <laughs> 
This is a good one. Ebert writes, I have such an unreasonable affection for this movie. Indeed, that it is only by slapping myself alongside the head and drinking black coffee that I can restrain myself from recommending it. (laughs) Lastly, (laughs) lastly, it's rated PG-13 for sci-fi, life, and death situations and brief strong language. So, Paul, the jabronis are screaming in the stands. It's 1916 in Philadelphia, and the athletics are down by two points as we go into our 117th loss of the season. (laughs) Real stat. Look it up, motherfucker. I'm wiping my tears as I feel an itch in my ball sack when I realize there might be crabs in my jock from the lack of hygiene at Fenway Park as we face off against the Sox. I scratch my balls and you take it as a cue for a major curve to try to strike out Ernie Shore who's standing on base with a stunning .117 batting average. That motherfucker, dude, like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. But Paul, pitch this motherfucker to me. All right, hey, hey, man, listen, listen. I got an idea for a movie. Oh, hold on, hold on a second. I need something. <laughs> he needs a prop, apparently, to explain the fucking. Let's put on, put on this tinfoil hat, all right. Otherwise, the government might hear you. Okay? Put it on, put it on. All right, all right. You got that on? Yeah. You know how the government controls the weather, right? Geoengineering, man. Chemtrails. You think the latest typhoon through China was an accident? No, 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 man. The government (laughs) did that to cover up George Bush's sex life. He had a gay Chinese national husband. (laughs) China was like, we're going to tell the Christians, man. And Bush was like, no way. Plausible deniability. That's how they get away with it. You heard of HARP? It's real, man. The high-frequency active auroral research program. That's what they call it on the outside. (laughs) You could see it from satellite images but most of it's underground to hide the truth oh shit i think i read about that on that new yeah. website geocities yeah yeah it's a bunch of antennas really really powerful antennas it's in alaska so it doesn't doesn't disrupt the the gps system <laughs> and crash oil tankers exxon exxon valdez man get it get it yeah yeah for sure you know what they they used it to bring down the planes that caused 9-11 oh shit it wasn't terrorists <laughs> The story is just too convenient. Oh, shit. What if they turn that weapon inward toward Mother Earth, man? Oh, shit. They could create earthquakes wherever they wanted. Oh, shit. They don't like workers' movement in somewhere (laughs) like Venezuela or Iran. Think about it, man. They just wrecked the place with an earthquake. It's no longer a threat to their plans. Everyone just thinks it's an act of God. That's the most amazing fucking weapon I've ever heard of. Maybe, Maybe they already have it. Dude, think about that. It's all about control. They're green god, man. Wait, wait, wait. Do the Eight lizard counts. people have control over this? Because if the lizard people oh, have it, we're fine. Shit. <laughs> Don't talk too loud about that. Oh, shit. Yeah, but, I gotta be quiet. So, so the, listen, this is the movie. So what <laughs> if the government fucked up, dude? What if their little experiment messed up? Icarus, man. Icarus. Oh, shit. Just like that. They got too close to the heart of Mother Earth. Oh, they got shit. burned. Oh, shit. So now Earth is fucked up. No magnetic field. You know, no magnetic field. That's how the Black Death started, dude. Oh, that's really? killed the dinosaurs, man. Motherfucker. Like giant microwave beams from space come in and fry people's brains and shit. That's why I wear this tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the grays. Don't forget about the grays, man. They might oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell the CIA. <laughs> but you know, a movie could have some dudes like 
drill into the center of the earth and and put i mean like like a big like thousand megaton nukes down there some shit and then <laughs> set them off to save the day man i mean that's a good move it's like armageddon but oh, we're drilling shit. into the earth yeah yeah, that's exactly. dope. That's dope. Terranauts, dude. Terran. Oh, I dig that. Can we name right, it that? All right. all right, I gotta go, man. They already, they already know too much. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Send me the script when you can. <laughs> all right. So, Paul, right off the bat, bro. Like, you know, we, we were we were talking about we were talking about the other week about the happening, right? About how M Night Shyamalan doesn't know how to establish mood from the opening credits. Like, this movie is better than the happening, straight up. Okay, but. <laughs> The opening, <laughs> the opening shot, it's exactly what I was trying to say about M. Night. Like, this is a movie about drilling into the earth, right? So, like, the opening shot of this movie is the Paramount logo, and, like, the camera zooms in, and they start digging into the earth, like, right off the bat, bro. And I'm like, see? That's how you fucking set a tone for a movie. You know what? This is going to be a dumb fuck movie. <laughs> like, they're going to be drilling into the earth. Okay. Whatever. But, like, that's what I was trying to say about M. Night Shyamalan, but the guy's a fucking chode, and he doesn't understand how to do that. <laughs> But regardless, so the the bro, the bro in the opening scene that's going to make his $30 million oh, yeah. and he fucking dies <laughs> and he lands on the glass table, he just falls and stops. And this is like a really, really bad camera trick of like a bad freeze frame. That's not how gravity works. Like you don't fall and stop. Like the guy doesn't even bounce or anything. It's like his face is just like sucked into the table regardless. <laughs> But right after that, right after that, they have they have the fucking crane shot, right? Like they have the crane shot where they're tying oh. everything together outside. Yeah. And there's a milk truck that's crashed. Shaky crane shot. Yeah, okay. shaky crane yeah. shot. This is back. This is back. Like, okay, so this movie's 2003 and they shot on film and they used to do, they used to love using this piece of equipment that's now illegal in order to use in the United States, but it's called a giraffe crane, right? Giraffe crane's like the sitting platform crane that you can yeah. sit the camera operator and the fucking camera on it in order to do the shot. Now they use things that they've had during the time that they had the fucking giraffe crane called techno cranes because you don't need to put a fucking guy with his eye on the fucking eyepiece in order to do a <laughs> fucking crane shot. But regardless, that's why it's shaky like that, Paul, is a fucking yeah. giraffe crane is not slick. They're also dangerous <laughs> as shit, dude. Like, yeah. there's like, we used one on this one movie and it was this idea that the they wanted to do the birdcage type shot right like start up high and then like track down low and then step off with the steady cam and follow them into this club right so they wanted to do it so the only way to do it was a giraffe crane so i was just like okay well you know i mean it's not explicitly like illegal by <laughs> iatsi 600 which is the camera union standards and as long as as long as 600 allows their camera operator to get on the crane like i don't care it's on him you know what i mean like let his union deal with it if he fucking falls off of it <laughs> yeah but we did the shot where we were shooting in Chinatown and the guy, even though the guy was a light camera operator and the camera and the steady cam don't weigh much, there was over a thousand pounds of ballast on the back oh, of the man. crane that we had yeah. to push uphill and then do this fucking <laughs> shot. But like when, when the dude stepped off, you know, that thousand pound weight was right above Shit. my head as oh. I was pushing this thing. So like they yeah. had, they had, I had to rely on four other guys to jump on the front of it as he was stepping off to hold it on the ground. So that way if they fucked up like that shit would have come plummeting down on my head <laughs> and crushed my ass but you know it, it is a dangerous piece of equipment for sure like it should be you know completely outlawed but regardless i digress so does does aaron eckhart strike you as a science professor paul he's got the like corduroy jacket he wears denim jackets and <laughs> 
You didn't have any fucking patches on the jacket, though, dude. Like, in order to be a professor, you have to have a corduroy jacket with leather patches on the elbows from you leaning on the desk so long. You need to patch that shit. I, I, I don't buy it, dude. You know, and then, and then later on when he takes off his T-shirt and he's fucking cut, I'm like, again, again with this shit, Hollywood. Like, cast a real guy that looks like a All right, all right. Professor. I will say I've met a lot of geologists, and they tend to be cut and more fit than most scientists because they get out and hike 40 miles to get to a rock embankment or something but like Aaron that in the middle of nowhere montana gutter, gutters dude <laughs> like why why would a geologist have fucking cum gutters you work on his abs like that i guess so i mean I don't, whatever lifts a lot of rocks <laughs> <laughs> well know, i think he's a geophysicist anyways you, I, never, you know i mean this movie is so back and forth with the techno speak dude they just like come up with words and throw it together uh, in, like yeah, a techno speak word salad and you're like oh yeah sure i guess that makes sense but whatever <laughs> i i have a real problem with the way that they portrayed national security people in this movie like near the beginning there's those two oh. jerk offs that come to get him in his classroom and i'm like why is it every goddamn movie <laughs> where the NSA needs to pull somebody out of their job in order to consult. They always do it right in the middle of the most public forum. <laughs> right? Not, you know, I mean, they keep saying throughout this movie, like, oh, nobody's going to know about this. Nobody's going to know about this. It's a whole fucking side story in this about how it's all going to be hush hush. But like these two black suited dudes that may as well have been in men in black <laughs> walk into Aaron Eckhart's classroom and fucking pull him out in front of all these students. <laughs> and nobody says anything, especially especially since he doesn't show up for classes for the rest of the fucking semester because this whole project is like three months long this timeline he doesn't show back up but like nobody's saying shit i mean it's fucking college dude like there would be people saying like oh these fucking lizard men came in and fucking stole them for the deep state you know some shit like that <laughs> they would be talking about that shit you know what i mean especially 2003 in the early days of the internet where people were just like throwing shit online it didn't matter what was going on but regardless I have a real yeah. problem with that. But they keep talking about women and cheese and they don't notice the bodies. <laughs> women and cheese. Oh, right. right. And they don't notice the bodies until a fucking arm falls out from underneath one of the tarps. Whoa. Like there are 32 people <laughs> in this giant room they just walked into lined up like cadavers from Vietnam. And these fucking guys are talking about women and cheese and they don't actually look like these are dumb, unobservant <laughs> motherfuckers. Like seriously, it's so um, bad. What are the chances, Paul? Explain to me that you're, you're, you're the engineer here. Explain to me the math on this. What are the chances 32 people all with pacemakers are all within a 10 block radius in fucking boston at that exact moment like boston has a population <laughs> i don't think there's that many pacemakers there it has a population <laughs> similar to albuquerque at least during this time period it did around 600,000 people 600,000 people spread across this town and 32 people in this one 10 block area all have pacemakers and they all fucking drop dead at the same time like that is some astronomical odds like get the yeah. fuck out of here well <laughs> and I mean, that kind of electromagnetic interference, it might cause one or two pacemakers to fail, but you better believe that the electronics in those are very robust and would not fail all yeah. simultaneously yeah. all at the same time from <laughs> that kind of event. That, so, that was actually yeah. my next question was how strong, <laughs> how strong would an EMP need to be in order to stop everyone's pacemaker like that? Like it, it has to be some astronomical Gauss level in order to like yeah. stop everybody's pacemaker yeah. like that. It, it would have to be uh, pretty big. <laughs> 
Right. But the Earth's core did stop, Paul. Maybe it is like an astronomical <laughs> pulse that they just experienced. Regardless, regardless, I hate, I hate how in the next scene, like the can This, this is a technical issue. Okay, this is a very specific technical uh, issue. But this movie is shot in the cinescope aspect ratio, two, three, yeah. five to one. Right, widest screen that you can get. These are anamorphic lenses. So this guy in france or wherever the fuck they are he's there with his family this random jerk off and he's got a camera and he's filming the pigeons for some fucking reason <laughs> but regardless he's shooting this shitty jvc camcorder that is like a 16 by 9 which is your television aspect ratio or even like a 4 by 3 which is like the old crt televisions but like they cut to his footage and his footage is like framed for 235 <laughs> and it's like it's got the perfect you know title safe like markers on it and the record like signal is right in the right area i'm like this is a technical issue is that a, a smart a smart director and a smart cinematographer would know how to make that look like actual footage within the two three five aspect ratio yeah but they don't because these guys are fucking hacks and they don't understand <laughs> what they're doing i just i don't get it man it's like dude this is something simple for all the video nerds that are out there i mean i don't know how many video nerds have seen this movie but you know i i digress <laughs> I, just, I gotta I say, I gotta say off the bat here before we get too deep that I uh, really enjoyed this movie. It had me <laughs> laughing like really hard throughout the whole thing. And yeah, I mean, it's if you look at it like a sci-fi original movie, then it's like one of the best sci-fi original movies <laughs> out there. It's like it's exactly what it oh, is. Oh, for sure. What what was that? Uh, there was a, I think it was a sci-fi original. It was called Mosquito. It was like out around the same time and it had these giant mosquitoes <laughs> that had proboscises that were the size of like fucking lancing sabers. Yeah. And it was, it was fucking great, dude. Like yeah. these, these things would bomb down on people and skewer them and then they'd like suck them <laughs> into these like raisin people. Yeah. But I mean, like the premise, all of the, I mean, it's the CG is indistinguishable from like a sci-fi original. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. It's <laughs> so bad. But other than like the A-list cast, you can't even tell the difference. Like, you know, you know what the so. real shame, what the real shame is on this is that my, my yeah. previous point about the cinematographer being a hack, this guy isn't a hack, dude. It's John Lindley. Like he shot uh, Gary Ross's movie from 1998 called uh, Pleasantville. And yeah. like that, that movie uh, is yeah. a technical cinematography achievement on top of like its visual effects work. But like, he's not a, he's not an idiot, but like yeah. this movie, it's just like he phoned it in or something. He just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> regardless continuing on excuse me i got a burp coming up uh, there it is uh, also <laughs> also you know i i get i get that you know you have to establish some sort of like panic or something with these people but the two people that are driving in this scene with the birds smashing into shit are this one asshole in a taxi and this other asshole driving a double-decker bus, right? And both of these guys, their first instinct when they start panicking is to hammer down on the gas and start swerving <laughs> like fucking idiots. And I was just like, dude, seriously. Like, okay, if you don't know anything about London cabbies, London cabbies, they're one of the few cabbies in the world that are actually standardized by the state still. And so like, you have to get a license from England in order to drive a cab in London. And part of your test is, is that you have to be able to name every single street in London by name and it's two intersection points God on damn. the fucking test. There's 25,000 streets. <laughs> 
in London, dude. These yeah. guys, they're the best drivers in the world. I mean, I, I haven't personally like ridden in a cab in London, but like just to be able to do that and be able to have that sort of knowledge, you got to be pretty fucking slick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's not like some asshole driving an Uber that <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing. But I mean, that's everybody. exactly what I do when I see something on the street is I, I slam on the accelerator out of panic. <laughs> You know, <laughs> this is a side uh, you note, too, right? You remember, you remember when we were living together in Albuquerque and we were driving back to the house, and like you had that series of birds that were just like fucking suicidal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had a bird like fly into his windshield like the week before, like just yeah. trying to fly across the street and just <laughs> dive bombed into it in order to break its own neck. But then the next week, <laughs> I'm driving home right behind Paul in my car, and he's driving ahead of me. And this fucking pigeon is sitting in the middle of the road. And Paul's not swerving out of the way for the pigeon. He's expecting the pigeon to move like they always move. But this pigeon fucking sits there and gets. Well, I slowed out. down. I slowed yeah. down, but I just like stepped into the tire. Like. <laughs> He fucking he just exploded into like fucking down in blood behind Paul's car. I was like, what the fuck? I'm I'm digressing on a pigeon side route. (laughs) No, I I don't want to fault this movie too much in terms of technology because they were working with the technology that they had at the time. But like him talking about the search that he's asking the other researcher to do, and he's like, just jump on. We have a T1 line, you know, you'll be able to get all this shit quick. I'm like, a T1 line in 2003 was a 1.544 megabit per second line like that is slow as fuck but i I mean i guess during the time i'm trying to think like 2003 i think maybe we were working off of internet that was connecting at like 120 kilobits per second or something like that maybe dude my school had a t1 line i mean yeah i get it i get a big deal (laughs) even for the day i always thought the t1 lines were like reserved for like schools and like government agencies though i didn't think that like that speed was like available to the general public which is fine you know you could pay for it up the ass <laughs> I mean, acquired like a fiber optic connection and everything like that really like, fiber yeah, that yeah time would only yield i mean i guess technology is like advanced yeah, a lot but nah. i mean fiber at 1.5 megabits like i have a fiber connection in my house and like i'm in the hood of brooklyn like the the, the part <laughs> that used to be the most violent part of brooklyn it still is the most violent part of brooklyn but like i have a fucking gigabit connection 944 yeah. megabits per second everywhere you know and it's like yeah. fucking nuts but regardless, get Techno off of speak. get off of this That's nerd route first. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, refresh my memory on college, mm. Paul. He mm. talks about nonlinear differential equations. And like I remember linear algebra and differential <laughs> equations. Right. I don't remember nonlinear differential equations. Nonlinear differential equations are probably one of the most advanced classes you could take as a math undergrad. <laughs> I mean, most real world problems, like you end up needing to solve those kind of equations. And the, the truth is there's not a lot of methods for solving them. So they were just like pulling something. They like went into a course catalog for college and like, what's the what's the toughest class the the 400 level class or whatever for the math grads and they're like ah, non-linear differential equations all right that sounds good it's legit yeah idiots don't know anything about science writing this but 
You know, the, I, I fucking, th- this movie, this movie falls in line with a whole series of movies between like 95 and 2005 that were just like these big budget, huge cast, like disaster pictures, right? There was a shitload of them during this time period. I hate to draw a conclusion about like Armageddon being the better movie, but like one of, one of my favorite lines, <laughs> one of my favorite lines in Armageddon, as bad as that movie is, is that there's this moment when they're all sitting on the runway and they're sitting there and the thing's shaking along and he's like one of the guys is nervous and like Steve Buscemi's character turns over he's just like hey think about it this way you're sitting on a giant explosive rocket that was built by 150,000 moving parts all built by the lowest bidder <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I, I actually really like that line because I'm like yeah it's a good line it's a good line and it's completely <laughs> true <laughs> But it's so strange to me how this movie had no concept of how actual science works because like they, they enter they enter into the atmosphere and you see the ceramic plates on the fucking shuttle heating up, right? Which means that they're skipping across the atmosphere, which is exactly when the fucking blackout occurs. But yeah. as they're skirting through the system and it's heating up, <laughs> they're even talking about the shit about how it's heating up. They have perfectly clear video signal on the monitors back at NASA. <laughs> And then, only then, do they end up getting to the blackout area. And I'm like, okay, somebody obviously didn't know how science works here because that's not how this fucking works. But regardless. Well, they watched Apollo 13 and there's a blackout in that movie. But they knew what the fuck they were doing in Apollo 13. They're actually genuine to that shit. regardless so computers like as they're flying in they start talking about how they're on the wrong trajectory right and the computers are still fucking plotting and they're like oh the computers are still calculating but it's a full two minutes as the computers are calculating that fucking hillary swank is like oh that's la what's the one place in la that you can land that isn't a fucking freeway (laughs) everybody knows it's the fucking LA river because it's never full. It's a giant fucking canal. And like, this isn't her being like some wizard of fucking like (laughs) navigation. She just has been to LA before and she knows what the fuck's going on. But regardless, so they land in that motherfucker and they're talking about how, Oh, they can't pull the emergency chute, even though they're going really quick because if they pull the emergency chute, and the fucking parachute grabs onto one of the bridges, it'll rip the tail off, right? So they're complaining about this, but then the scene ends up that they end up going underneath the East First Street Bridge, and that's the one that they end up getting the tail fucking short off of. And I'm like, yep. dude, you knew where you were going. Like, you could <laughs> fucking see it in the first place. Like, you're already in a bad situation. Anybody that's actually been to LA knows that the bridges in that area have, like, extra pylons as you start making your way toward first street because it's the older part of the fucking cistern okay so fuck all that for a second even the visual (laughs) representation of it that she could have seen it coming so the la river is all the same depth all the bridges that span it are all the same height above the river so the idea that they went under another bridge that was shorter than the other ones and it ripped the fucking (laughs) tail off is idiotic i'm pretty sure the space shuttle is a lot bigger than uh, those bridges (laughs) are actually and Mm -hmm. They I mean, there was, there was that whole thing when I was living in LA when they were moving the, the shuttle and they had to shut down the 170 and the 101 in order to move the shuttle. And it was huge. It spanned the entire width of the 101. I know yeah. the LA River and it's not that wide. Like the 101 is wider yeah. than the LA River, but whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just let it go, Gabe. <laughs> so, you're going to let, I'll, 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 have to let a lot of things go with this movie. So, so. I, I, I got a real question, Paul, about the Northern Lights, okay? So no. the Northern 
lights, the science behind it is, is that the the magnetic field is what you're seeing being illuminated by the ionization that's caused by the radiation that's skipping off of the atmosphere of Earth, right? Yeah, for the most part. So... <laughs> If they're seeing it in DC, which is, you know, six or seven degrees latitudinally short of where you would actually see the Northern Lights, wouldn't they have bigger problems to worry about? Like the fact that like that area of DC is being directly fucking nuked by gamma rays that are coming into the atmosphere. It's not going to skip off in that area, nor is it going to hit the magnetic field in that area. Well, I mean, okay. So the magnetic field comes out of the two, like the areas around the two poles of the earth, but it carries the ions streaming from the sun in the form of the solar wind and deflects them. And then they kind of fall along the magnetic field lines to the Northern areas of the planet. Right. And so those ions striking the atmosphere is what makes the, the display of the, the northern lights, right? But during solar storms, when the, the number of particles coming from the sun is like uh, a lot more intense, then you can see aurora at lower, lower latitudes and they can be pretty intense at some point. There's but do like you a, see? There's uh, an aurora sometime in the 1800s, like late 1800s. And yeah, I remember reading about it and there were accounts from people in like New York City or DC saying that they could see the aurora during the day. And then there are like telegraph operators that could actually measure like large currents that were induced on the telegraph lines from all these particles is pretty pretty crazy you know so it's okay. it's it's real and it could mess up electronics like oh for sure i, w yeah, I wasn't yeah. debating that i Knock was more wondering the, about the, the angle the angle of the fucking ionization <laughs> but anyway uh, i'll recant on that point so they're they're at the bar right like hit uh uh fucking aaron eckhart and uh who's the other guy who's at the bar with and regardless french guy yeah the french guy uh, what's his name his i don't name know maybe? i just i know uh, him uh no, it's it's uh, Sergey. It's a fucking Surge. Russian name. Surge. No, Serge. Serge. There you go. <laughs> Sergey. I don't know where the fuck I got that. But anyway, so he's drunk at the bar and the NSA shows up in order to tell everybody that they don't fit in because they're wearing these black trench coats and they're fucking showing up to a bar stone cold, stone faced. I'm like, dude, again with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> These two black, the these two black suited dudes are gonna like pull this guy out of a bar, and nobody's gonna say shit. Like, aren't they? Aren't they in fucking Boston or something like that? I can't I remember where they pull well, Aaron Eckhart. No, they pull Aaron Eckhart out of Chicago. That's where they are. They're in uh, Chicago, nice, which is nice. even more of a tell. Like, who are these fucking guys in Chicago? <laughs> Regardless. So when the joint chiefs, when they're sitting in that big room and he's like giving his like speech, right? And the joint chiefs ask why the EM field is dying. Why, oh, why does every scientist in every movie like this have to do a fucking physical presentation with whatever's <laughs> in the room? Like, did, did they just happen to have that fruit tray sitting out with that giant pile of different fruits that everybody could like select from? <laughs> And he, so he picks up the peach and uh, did they have to light the peach on fire with the air freshener, Paul? Because I'm pretty sure the Joint Chiefs, even though they don't know a lot about science, they can visualize what a word like microwave radiation might mean for the fucking planet. That it might, I don't know, heat it up like your goddamn microwave. <laughs> like, 
I mean, at the very least of like shitty fucking scientific understanding, they might be able to figure that out. No, I mean, it's like a trope in all sci-fi movies where you throw out some techno speak and then you use a simple simile <laughs> to explain it away. And they're all, oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The fucking peach. Oh, okay. It's yeah. like it's like throwing a wrench into an engine. You know, it that doesn't take much to bring it to a halt. stupidest line in the fucking movie. Stupidest line. But... <laughs> I'll get to that later. So how is there, every one of these movies, Paul, these big disaster movies, how is there always a top secret project that is being worked on for the exact eventuality that is the problem that is in the movie? Every single fucking movie, <laughs> there's always this like secret government project that are analyzing this exact scenario in case right, I, 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 I got to go into this real quick, right? So the rotational kinetic energy of the earth is like two times 10 to the 29th joules okay it's a lot of energy all right yeah so a 100 megaton nuclear bomb has four times 10 to the eighth joules of energy and they talk about they need a thousand megatons to get the (laughs) the core starting again right so they're like short by uh (laughs) let's see 50 quadrillion nuclear bombs (laughs) required to get it spinning again (laughs) i mean if if the core of the earth stopped suddenly (laughs) it would rip the planet to pieces because of conservation (laughs) momentum it's like (laughs) the the planet would there'd be these gigantic seismic waves that would come up from the stopped core traversing through the planet and especially around the equator the 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 crust of the earth would just explode outwards into space because of all that energy transfer. This was actually a thing that I was going to get into later was about the, the, the material that Delroy Lindo creates that makes all this possible. Before I get to the name, which pisses me off beyond belief, but he talks about tungsten titanium matrix that's super cooled and that did the trick. I'm like, okay, this is an excellent <laughs> example of techno speak that doesn't mean anything. Okay. Like tungsten and titanium still have melting points, right? Even though they're like great heat radiators, like 9,000 degrees is 9,000 degrees, man. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like trying to make, trying to say that you matrix these things together by super cooling them, it doesn't fucking mean anything. <laughs> Like, that's just my limited understanding and remembering of shit that I knew in college. It's fucking idiotic. What's even (laughs) more idiotic is what they called it. This is my fuck you to James Cameron. You're a fucking piece of shit. Because this movie in 2003 named their magic material unobtainium. You fucking hack cocksucker piece of shit. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. Seriously. This, this, This was the moment. It was completely unrelated to the actual storyline of the movie that I was like wanting to throw something in my television because I was so <laughs> angry. It was just like, I, I haven't seen this movie since 2003 when it came out. And you know, Avatar I saw six years later in 2009 when it came out. But I'm like, I didn't remember Unobtainium from this movie because this movie's fucking atrocious and I wouldn't remember it. But having going back and watching it for the first time in 17 years just this last week sitting there and watching this movie and when it popped up on unobtainium i was like you motherfucking cocksucker piece of shit like i was really fucking angry (laughs) this pissed me off (laughs) fuck you james cameron dude 
God damn it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, how was it? How is it, Paul, that this one guy that's living in the middle of the fucking desert happens to be working <laughs> on the exact tech necessary in order to do this fucking thing that they're trying to do? Like he just happens to be working on a mater- on a fucking laser that can cut through the earth at rapid speed and he just happens to be working on a material that can withstand the amount of energy and heat that is going to be transferred into it in order to build a fucking ship out of it that can take people <laughs> into the center of the earth. What are the I mean. chances? Like Deus Ex Machina, <laughs> motherfucker. Exactly what the script required, Gabe. Yeah, Deus Ex Machina. And I mean, they got their like scientific development montage out of it and everything like that too so it all worked out in the end it was perfect timing everyone if you don't know what deus ex machina means it means god without the machine but it's basically this god moment that like miracles something into the fucking script it's not deserved (laughs) it's just a story fucking crutch that people use that don't know what they're doing because they're like oh we need something that's going to allow us in order to do this thing so ah fuck it we're going to black box this son of a bitch and do it that way yeah you know you know what i thought was funny when the the one suave scientist guy like goes into his filing cabinet and he pulls out this information on this like super super weapon (laughs) that is supposedly responsible for stopping the core it just says secret it's not (laughs) top secret or it's like any any grunt could like pick that up and read it i mean it's not that hard to get a secret clearance but he just (laughs) happens to have that in a filing cabinet in his office you know yeah 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 So going into this for a second, Paul, I, I got to ask, like when they introduced the the character of Rat, right? The fucking super hacker. Oh, oh yeah. That actor's name is DJ Qualls. And DJ Qualls, he used to be in like all these like comedies because he's this weird looking motherfucker where they were trying to like reinvigorate the revenge of the nerds type shit. Yeah. But he just disappeared. The last thing that I ever remember him in is 2005's Hustle and Flow with Terrence Howard. Yeah, 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 it was good. That was the last time I remember him. Like, what the fuck happened to him? Is he out smoking crack? Like, what's going on with that guy? Because he looks like a crack addict, man. I guarantee you that guy guy would do something for some crack. You know what I'm saying? But but right away, right away, we're, we're we're about 35, 40 minutes in the movie. And dumb fuck number one and number two right away here, people. DJ Qualls, the rat character, the super nerd hacker, says, quote, you want me to hack the planet, end quote. And using the sound of a gum wrapper to unlock unlimited minutes on fucking Aaron Eckhart's phone. (laughs) This is some dumb shit. Like, okay, this is just meant to make him seem like he knows a lot. Because at that time in 2003, if you don't know, if you're too young to remember this, there was a time when people counted their minutes about how long they were on the cell phone. And if you did, if you did long distance calling on your cell phone, you would get charged like this premium rate, like a dollar yeah. seventy-five a minute or some bullshit. And so this was a big deal that he did this. You know, this is going to save him some goddamn money by him doing this. But regardless, <laughs> him saying you want me to hack the planet when what he's supposed to be doing is hacking the internet in order to strip any sort of information that may be disseminating about this project as they're doing it. That's his fucking purpose. It's not even to come up with the operating system that runs the goddamn worm machine or anything like that. It's just so he can keep information from disseminating. He's not hacking the goddamn planet. This is a stupid fucking line, dude. This is the dumbest fucking... It's a good, it's a good line for the trailer, though, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay, but back before this whole 
the whole using the gum wrapper to get free long distance. This was, it's actually plausible, at least probably pre-cell phone era because there's this famous hacker i forget his name now but he's like one of the original like fbi most wanted hackers from the like 70s and 80s uh-huh. but back in the day when there were dial tone phones you oh, could shit. access you could access certain phone company like diagnostic features by putting in certain dial tones or combinations of dial tones. i remember so reading about that yeah this dude could actually get free long distance or access certain functionalities of the phone network just with little whistles that he carried around, like specific whistle tones that he made himself. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it wouldn't work with cell phones because it's all digital, but... Uh, Back in the day, it's kind of like plausible. That's also when they were like running all their mainframes off of like, uh, what was it? Cobalt? Fortran or Cobalt or maybe, a couple maybe, languages. Anyway, regardless, it's like, it's it's the recent news headline that apparently a lot of fucking unemployment agencies servers are still running on Cobalt, even though they haven't taught oh, it nice. since the fucking 80s. <laughs> and that's why there was such a problem with so many people filing for unemployment oh, is that all the servers are crashing and nobody yeah. knew how to fix it because the servers were out of date. Nobody had been taught the fucking language they actually had to look up look up professors and people that learned it back in the 80s in order to come in and work on the fucking infrastructure in order to help the unemployment bureau in order to do their fucking job and i'm like you know i know i know that the united states is like this rinky dink country that believes that it's number one but god damn dude like basing it on a language that hasn't been taught in 40 years like that's just asking for somebody to fuck that shit up you know it's bad i don't uh, understand yeah, you know it's pretty bad <laughs> digressing here so uh, taking a digression all right <laughs> why why does why does rebecca when she's standing there and she's introducing all the doctors to them to each other she says she turns to the one black guy in the group and she says this guy knows the ship and then skips and goes on to everybody else about he knows navigation he knows the weapon system like he doesn't know the ship he built the fucking tech that this whole goddamn project is based on if anything he should be running the show and not aaron eckhart because i don't know he created this fucking miracle material that allows them to do it and he created the miracle technology that allows them to cut through the shit maybe Maybe he should be doing it but whatever you know i mean this is nah. this guy is literally a miracle worker but you're not giving him the fucking credit that's due because <laughs> oh black yeah. guy leading a science movie we can't sell that to hollywood but guess what you cast a white motherfucker and this movie didn't make any money uh. continuing on <laughs> So this this is what I was talking about what you were talking about earlier, Paul, but wouldn't a detonation this large cause residual waves to the goddamn planet? Like if you set off a nuclear weapon oh. in a liquid I mean it's it comes down I mean, yeah. It's it's another thing where people have this impression that nuclear weapons are these like forces of nature and yeah, you can fuck a lot of shit up <laughs> with it, but like the 2011 Tokashi earthquake that took place in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember all the mm-hmm. tsunami footage from all that. That was a nine right. point two, and the fallout, the fallout of the Fukushima power plant. There. Right, 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 right. But that was a nine point two magnitude earthquake. Right. I didn't feel it. Did you? No. No, you didn't. But it was measurable around the Earth. But that released. 1.9 times 10 to the 17th joules of energy. So that's 
you know, that's about. Uh, I mean, you're still a factor of twelve. Yeah, that's like a billion. Doing. Yeah, that's it's like a billion atom bombs of the largest atom bomb ever. So yeah. okay, you went, you went, it went. Uh, these little atom bombs wouldn't do anything. I mean, <laughs> even though they're the largest ever conceived, they would not <laughs> affect the planet in the way that it's portrayed. Okay, all right. So I'll, I'll divest from that point. <laughs> So they're they're walking through. There's a scene, Paul, like where they're walking into. It's after the science montage, and they're walking into the fucking uh, what's my who's it the hangar that they're hanging out in. And in the background, you see like this giant storm gathering in the background. And he, some asshole, I don't remember which character, looks over there and says, "Oh, that's high level static discharge." And I'm like, "Oh wait, you talking about lightning, motherfucker?" Because <laughs> <laughs> you can just say a lightning storm, you dickhead. Oh, but regardless, so. The, the hacker, this is what I wanted to get into at this point, is that the hacker that is supposed to be hacking the internet for the entirety of this movie functions as the fucking weatherman. Like, <laughs> looking at Doppler sections of the country in order to predict where these fucking thunderstorms are going to land, or these lightning storms are going to land. But I'm like, wait, why, why does he need to be part of this crew? Like, seriously, he's not doing anything. He's, like, monitoring the fucking weather. Which, by the way, NASA has somebody monitoring weather, like a team of meteorologists, because they need to know that shit is coming in and out of the atmosphere, whether they're going to fuck it up by sending it through some storm or whatever. Kind of seems important, but whatever. You know, they're just going to regulate it to this asshole that demands that you call him rat because he's a fucking chode, but whatever, you know. He, he, he probably likes hot pockets. Oh shit! You know, that was the other uh, product placement right there. Hot pockets. Mm-hmm. He did. He did get a lot of those. You're right. You're right. Yeah, those are terrible, man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't mean to like prep a fucking oh, comedian shit. at all, there's but like, your, there's your sandwich beef right there, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. All right. So hang on a second. I gotta go into the sandwich beef. It's not. It's not specifically related to this movie. But I was trying to think about this movie as I was going along. Well, all right. Before you go into it, I can just say I can bitch about Hot Pockets for a second because <laughs> I don't think there's anything else on the planet that I've burned my mouth on more than Hot Pockets. Yeah, for sure. That molten cheese effect. Yeah, <laughs> they suck. <laughs> anyway, so here's my sandwich beef for this week. It doesn't directly relate to this movie, but I think it's important because people need to know about sandwiches because they are something that's very, very important in life. But there is a deli in New York, in Brooklyn, in the Crown Heights neighborhood of Brooklyn. It's right near my old place. It's on Howard and St. John's place, right? There's this deli that this stupid son of a bitch behind the fucking counter does not know what kind of bread the sandwiches go on. Like, I went in there and I ordered a fucking gyro one time, or as New Yorkers like to say, they like calling them gyros, which I think is really weird. But anyway, I go in there and I order a gyro, and this motherfucker, he's grilling up the lamb, whatever he's asking me about, you know, the peppers and the fucking onions and the tomatoes and shit. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, like, uh, what do you want that on a roll? And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about a roll like what do i I want a euro on a roll for like it goes in a fucking pita like everybody knows that a euro goes in a pita that's what it comes on it's a mediterranean sandwich like you give me in the pita he's like oh okay my bad man my bad and he like puts it in there i'm like okay whatever he puts it in the pita but i had to tell him a euro goes in the pita i'm like where the fuck is this guy from but the next time i go in there i get a chopped cheese if you don't know what a chopped cheese is it's like it's a poor man's Philly cheesesteak, right? They take a, gr- uh, a hamburger patty, 
that is like usually pretty old. It's freezer burn and they chop it up and they throw a bunch of cheese in it. So it melts all together and they sprinkle it with like some salt and pepper and whatever. And they get it going real nice and they throw it on a fucking roll for you. But it's a poor man's cheesesteak. That's what it is. But it goes on a hoagie because what is a Philly cheesesteak, Paul? It is a fucking long submarine type sandwich, (laughs) right? I go in there, I order this fucking chopped cheese dude's like i'm like dude can you do a chopped cheese because specifically it's a bronx thing and a fucking harlem thing right like that's where it started so i never i never assume that people in brooklyn know what a chopped cheese is so i asked the dude you know how to do a chopped cheese he's like yeah, yeah yeah so he starts cooking it up this motherfucker hands me a chopped cheese on two pieces of rye bread I'm like what, what the, the fuck, fuck? <laughs> I-, I got a real problem oh with this guy this is the guy that I, I'm going to have like a sort of doom, like knife fight white one day. <laughs> just going to chop this guy's fingers off and be like, you motherfucker, you don't know how to make a sandwich. Anyway, that is my fucking sandwich beef for this week. If you want to go to this deli and tell this guy he's a piece of shit, walk into the <laughs> Howard and St. John's Place Deli on the northwest corner and tell this son of a bitch that he doesn't know what he's doing and he needs to learn his breads. Moving on. <laughs> So, Paul, I want to talk about the bad visual effects in this movie, right? Oh, man, they are so good. So bad. (laughs) (laughs) This movie, I mean, I got to contextualize this for a second because you can't can't compare movies of today to movies of the early 2000s, right? But I want to contextualize this within a movie that was out in 2003, specifically two movies that were out in 2003, and that is The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions, right? Those two movies... As much as like you look at it now, it's like, ah, you know, like they went a little overboard on the visual effects. Like it looks, <laughs> it looks pretty convincing. Like there's no textures that look like they're not right, you know, right or lit properly or whatever. But this movie, everything is flat. There's no reflective property on anything. Yeah. Everything is these flat textures and these flat colors. It doesn't look real. It looks like a fake piece of shit. But the worst thing is, is in the Rome visual effects sequence, like when the first lightning bolt strikes the Coliseum and you see those people <laughs> running down the street, you can see the green screen separation between these people and the visual effects element. It's fucking terrible. And this is on, this is me watching on a 55 inch 4K TV. Imagine this thing blown up to 80 feet wide on a fucking giant screen back in 2003 uh, like this is some hokey shit man <laughs> but regardless you know, there, there's a bigger question here paul is that why does a static storm that they like calling it a lightning storm dive into and fucking attack to the point that it fucking explodes in giant <laughs> flames the coliseum the coliseum <laughs> the coliseum is made out of stone like it's not the electronegative property of it is fucking (laughs) negligible (laughs) that scene had me probably laughing harder than any other scene in the movie i just couldn't stop laughing so so good (laughs) it's so bad but if ah look at all these monuments fuck those monuments we're gonna destroy them (laughs) This is, this, is a thing, this is a thing with disaster <laughs> movies that they pick the largest monument of whatever town that they're focusing on and they blow it up. <laughs> it all started with Independence Day when they fucking blew up the White House. Oh, yeah. And like, it's been a pervasive <laughs> problem ever since. But so here's, here's a real question, Paul. The beginning, of the, the beginning of the mission, 
they talk about that they go to the Marianas Trench, right? Which is the deepest part oh, yeah. of the earth that we know of. <laughs> it is a seven mile deep trench in the middle of the fucking ocean. So they talk uh, about- You know what? James Cameron was inspired by this movie to go down there after he filmed it. Yeah, Avatar. go make up. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but they go to the Marianas Trench and the, as they're diving through the water, number one, this thing needs to be equipped in order to swim in the ocean. It's not. It's a fucking tunneling machine. You know what I mean? Like it's got those rotors on the outside. Yeah, that it's make got it, some spinny things. It looks like a fucking, <laughs> it looks like a rabbit dildo, dude. You know, like <laughs> spinning things in the middle of it. Those little, the little turbines on the side would <laughs> propel it through the water actually it, it would think work so yeah all right yeah, regardless I mean, that's what those are <laughs> i mean through the shitty cg and everything regardless they talk about they talk about <laughs> the 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 crust the crust is 30 miles thick right and they talk about that the marianas trench is seven miles deep so they're they're saving seven miles worth of digging by going through the marianas trench but i'm like okay so the earth to the core is thousands of miles thick but they talk about how it's only going to take them 15 minutes to get through the crust. So are they really saving that much time <laughs> by adding yeah. what, what, what's a quarter of 15, Paul, like four and a half minutes. <laughs> they would waste four and a half minutes by going through yeah. any other part in the fucking earth. And they wouldn't have to fly the goddamn machine <laughs> at exorbitant <laughs> rates out in the middle of the fucking ocean. But regardless, I don't know. <laughs> God damn it, dude. The more I think about this, the more it makes my head hurt. What I love is that they just went and took the machine out to the Marianas Trench and they never like tested it before. Yeah. Like yeah. could have done a test run where they like drove it into the sand at least. <laughs> but now they just like throw it out there and boom. Like, I don't know if this it's is going to work. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, it, it leads in that scene where they like, it's sort of that Star Trek, like whales swimming alongside yeah. it. This is. A I, I think they missed. I think they missed an opportunity for to like shred a, giant, a whale or like a giant squid <laughs> attack. That would have been cool. I think like twenty thousand like, leagues under the sea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? I dig that, man. I, <laughs> Fuck yeah. I thought that's where they're going. You know, I figured. Oh yeah, Marianas Trench, giant squid attack. That makes sense. <laughs> By the way, I've seen we Gabe and I went to New Zealand together, and they have like one of the few colossal squid specimens. Oh, dude, that thing was there. dope, man! Oh yeah, my god, fucking sweet. <laughs> go, go check it out. Yeah, yeah if go, you're in New, fly Zealand. to New Zealand and go find, <laughs> go see the colossal squid. Dude, seeing that thing sucker <laughs> was like something yeah. else. They have like one piece of one sucker sitting in this like bell jar for you to look at up close. And the sucker is the size of a fucking dinner plate, like 10 inches wide, right? In diameter. And it's got this fucking talon sticking out of it. That's like this four inch velociraptor type <laughs> fucking talon sticking out of it. And I'm like, God damn. Thing like, is gnarly. Thing it's is not gnarly. messing around, bro. Like <laughs> that thing could fuck some shit up for sure. But <laughs> going back to this. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> So I, I want to skip ahead for a second to the giant crystal cavern scene, right? Oh, that's a good one. All right. So when they when they bash through this geode <laughs> and there's all these fucking crystals around and, you know, gravity takes over and they start sliding along the, the surface of the geode, wouldn't the laser that's in the front of it start scattering into a thousand different directions because it's hitting the prisms of the geode? I, I don't know. what. <laughs> I mean, the laser drills through rocks and shit. I mean, <laughs> it's... Isn't then they say it was like an ultrasonic 
xenon laser or some shit. I mean, I don't know. Actually, I didn't gather that. <laughs> they just use some techno speak. So <laughs> it, it, I don't know why it can't, why they get stuck. It doesn't make any sense. They they fall through and then they get stuck there. Well, for wait, some wait. Reason. It does get, there's a reason for it, Paul, because they need oh. a structure that number one, the only person that can do work in order to get the, the thing unstuck is the black guy. The black oh, guy needs yeah. to get out and cut the fucking yeah. rock in half, even though anybody could have done that. The black <laughs> guy has to do it. And on top of that, they want to set up the black guy as being the guy that can die. You know what right. I mean? Because like right. he's going to be sacrificial and jump ahead of everybody Well, I was else. expecting him to die. I mean, it was pretty, pretty <laughs> obvious he was going to die, but he didn't die then, which was surprising, actually. I mean, right. so, actually the, the leader guy. Well, yeah. I mean, he had to die too. You. I mean, a lot of the characters obviously have to die. No. <laughs> it's like a the mystery is in the order. <laughs> yeah, it's like a horror movie. You're taking bets. So, <laughs> so they start showing that, like, you know, a hole was popped in it when they came through, and the magma starts pouring into this geode. Yeah. So they start realizing that the magma is filling up the geode pretty quickly. And it's melting the crystals that are around them. So rather than sit there like an asshole and wait for somebody to get fucked up by, you know, something flying through the air or magma yeah. raining down on top of them, they decide just... <laughs> that it's better to waste time cutting this motherfucker and kicking it like a caveman <laughs> than just sitting, just sitting in the wait. goddamn thing until it starts floating again in the magma <laughs> and they can take off. Regardless, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I, I have a, another science question for you, Paul. Oh, oh. They talk they talk about that they need to pour liquid nitrogen into the exit compartment in order for them to get out, right? Uh -huh. They need to flood a little bit of it in there in order for them to get out. But this is a 5,000 degree <laughs> temperature that's inside of this. And yeah. liquid nitrogen is just above absolute zero, which if I remember correctly is minus 273 degrees Kelvin, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't know what the temperature <laughs> of liquid nitrogen is. But even, even it's, still. It's not that cold. I mean, it's cold but there are much much colder things out there <laughs> which they don't talk about in this movie but yeah. regardless the temperature differential between liquid nitrogen and 5000 degrees fahrenheit <laughs> is so significant that it doesn't matter how much liquid nitrogen they'd pump into this it would take a significant amount of liquid nitrogen in order to cool that heat differential you think that they would yeah. do something like peltier plates or something like that in order to radiate yeah. temperature yeah i mean the whole I mean, they they make use of the the thermoelectric effect later in the movie when they start generating power from the unobtainium because they say generates energy from heat, right? But <laughs> you think somebody they, would they have ignore, that out before that? They, they ignore thermodynamics in that to generate energy, you have to have energy transfer. So <laughs> to use the heat transfer through the unobtainium, they would be heating the inside of their craft. And it would happen very quickly and they would be burned to death and die almost like instantaneously. <laughs> not, not to mention but, somehow yeah. he somehow solders the fucking wires directly to the <laughs> unobtainium. But even beyond that, we'll go a step further. Previously in the movie, they shot a laser, the cutting laser, at the unobtainium and it didn't burn through the unobtainium and the mouse that was inside of it was perfectly cool and okay. And yeah. I was like, okay, so what is it? Does unobtainium actually radiate heat or does it not? Because this is some very very confusing fucking terminology and like bullshit that they're doing here. I'm guessing that unobtainium is some kind of superconducting material and it just 
passes energy magically through it and around it but uh yeah i don't know how it works it doesn't make any sense it's <laughs> make any don't sense. It, it's making my brain hurt trying to explain it in any so, kind of plausible fashion <laughs> it doesn't it's magic gabe okay it's a, i mean that's why they call it unobtainium it's fucking yeah. magic oh, yeah, there you so go. i, I want to skip ahead to surge dying Surged. and uh delroy <laughs> Serge and Delroy Lindo overriding the doors yeah. manually because he's freaking out and he's trying to open it with the screwdriver <laughs> and he pops it open. And what's inside of there, Paul? A, breadboard. a fucking yeah. breadboard. Yeah. A breadboard. <laughs> Not even a PCB. <laughs> like it's it's this a breadboard, if you don't know, is like a, a project board that uh, electrical people or electrical engineers use in order to wire IC chips and shit like that. And like you can even see it. All the jumpers are like these hand trimmed. <laughs> like jumpers like running and none of it makes sense when you look at the breadboard it's like they have the ground running into the fucking positive and, and all these different wires like running in line with each other and i'm like that's not how this works man yeah, you like, don't and he you looks don't at it, something and he looks at it and he's just like oh i don't know what to, to go into space or into the middle of the earth and you know spend all this money on unobtainium and then fucking wire things with breadboards they're like the most unreliable <laughs> pieces of electronics on the planet and and they only they only handle what it's something like 12 yeah, volts at five amps that they can yeah. handle before the bus starts <laughs> i mean cooking. it's not explained why <laughs> i mean it's just some electronics i'm assuming it's the door controls but it's funny that delroy lindo looks at it and he's like oh i don't know what to do despite <laughs> you know he yeah, designed yeah. it and there's that whole tirade later about how he needs to be the guy <laughs> to open it fuck this dude <laughs> but yeah now that made me laugh really hard that's one of my favorite points in the movie <laughs> Oh man. So, uh, <laughs> I want to. All right. One more science beef. Then I think I'm going to leave it alone. But there's this huge scene that takes place in San Francisco. I think the Golden Gate Bridge has been destroyed on screen more than any other object. Oh, thousands I, <laughs> of times. Uh, yeah. Thousands but, of times. So they always pick that to blow up for whatever reason. Uh, but uh, Godzilla fucked that shit up in 2014. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the. Uh, yeah, and another giant monster blew it up in uh, the Jaeger movie, whatever it's called. <laughs> Pacific oh, Rim. Pacific Rim, yeah. yeah. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> so, uh, good stuff. But so there's these microwaves that come through the sky. But all right. All right. Yeah, they punch a hole through so the atmosphere. The sun doesn't put out that much microwave energy. One, two, <laughs> the magnetic field around Earth doesn't affect microwaves in any way it's this concept called superposition in physics where it's it's the workings of a universe basically where you have two electromagnetic waves that intersect each other and they do not affect each other they just simply add or subtract from each other momentarily so the magnetic field only stops high energy particles or redirects them we'll say that but it would not stop microwaves Three, the atmosphere above us protects us from a lot of this kind of stuff. It absorbs microwave energy, infrared, all that. So that was that was my big beef there. It just would not cook anything <laughs> with the microwaves from the sun because it's already there all the time. Well, 
And then they never talk about how like this beam just disappears. Like this focused beam of microwave energy cuts the Golden Gate Bridge in half and destroys half of San Francisco. Then it simply stops. Yeah, that's fine. Like I feel like if it's like why would it stop? You know what I mean? Like if if the whole concept is that the micro the fucking magnetic field is dying and the worse that the field goes on and it dies more that the worse shit gets. Wouldn't this microwave beam continue to grow and like fuck? shit up yeah on top of the fact that it moves <laughs> linearly which i don't understand it's like, uh, it's like why would it move the cloud linearly? cover or something you know and, and if you don't currents. know anything about how <laughs> and if you don't know how san francisco is set up the golden gate bridge is on the northern part of the city like the beam moving east to west through the fucking bridge it would literally have to make a 45 degree turn in order to get to the san francisco peninsula which is downtown like how the fuck does the earth on its spinning axis turn 45 degrees in order to get that beam in order to move or am i understand that the sun is somehow sentient now and using a fucking laser beam in order to cut shit apart on the earth yeah, it's a laser microwave beam there you go <laughs> The <laughs> sun is angry. <laughs> oh, it's the next movie. The sun attacks. There oh, for sure. You know, I people mean, get UV rays and then they die of cancer forty years later. Uh, <laughs> that's, <the> <laughs> uh, that's an intense movie, man, with a forty-year ticking clock. God damn. <laughs> you know, I mean, not not to shit on the movie at all because I love it, but like that's that's the concept behind the movie Sunshine that Danny Boyle did. <laughs> the Earth is dying and people are freezing to death and yeah. everything's going to shit because of that. And they have to restart the sun with a nuclear weapon. But I mean, I love that movie, man. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck <laughs> if it doesn't make any sense, like fucking scientifically. <laughs> I'm okay with it because it's such a good movie. I think it I think it has better science than this oh, movie. Oh, for, sure. for sure. For sure, dude. <laughs> Most of it's plausible. <laughs> no, I, I had to So there's a moment, a couple moments in the movie where they have all this science shit, like chalkboards, or they go through the one dude's notebook. And it has, yeah, they open it up and it's supposed to be all this important shit. Right, and it has surge. like a, it has an op amp circuit, which has <laughs> nothing to do with geophysics or anything like that. It just looks sciencey and cool. And it's, yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So here's, here's another. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So when Surge dies, I think it's like the best acting of the movie where like. With Aaron the rubber Eckhart room closing and, in? Well, like <laughs> with Aaron Eckhart going, ah! You killed him. <laughs> it was like I don't even know what he was thinking. Was that that was that is that's, uh, that's one of those moments yeah. that it's like what what is your objective in this scene, dude? Like what are you going <laughs> after here? But I, I want to skip ahead for a second for Delroy Lindo sacrificing himself, right? Uh, yeah. Delroy Lindo, they talk about how the crawl space is nine thousand degrees, right? <laughs> and that they can't afford to flood it with any liquid nitrogen yeah. or to cool it off. Yeah. The suits can only handle six thousand degrees. Forty five hundred, bro. Forty five hundred. Oh, 40, sorry. Exactly sorry, sorry. half. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if if he's entering a crawl space that ex is exactly double the heat capacity of his suit it doesn't matter what it is it's not gonna like melt like slowly and crack it's gonna flash fry motherfucker <laughs> he's gonna light on fire like a goddamn roman candle on the fourth of july <laughs> but that shit would have been dope dude you imagine him like turning into a roman candle and his head firing off i would have paid oh good God. money to see that that would have been cool that yeah. would have made this movie pretty dope he's just like screaming in flames as he <laughs> like <laughs> 
<laughs> he pulls the little thing out. He's just like, ah, the whole, like a five minute scene of just him totally grossed in flames, uh, just screaming. I would have dug that. <laughs> but then there had been R rating for that. <laughs> he, opens, he opens the little door and he sticks his hand in there. And this goes back to the trope of like the fucking goddamn manual override bullshit in movies. <laughs> he has to stick his hand all the way in this crawl space. It doesn't, why is that crawl space there? Like, why is there this two foot by six foot hole that is in between the fucking things that the only thing that's contained in there is a machined piece of aluminum which would melt by the way but whatever but he, he he has to pull this thing out manually and twist it 90 degrees in order to reset it and that's not, even though the previous scene we see him explaining it and it shows like these fucking these solenoids that have to be retracted into a previous position in order for it to like detach from the mo- the module but no he has to spin this thing manually 45 degrees what is the point what is the point of having a 360 degree object when all all this could be accomplished by a fucking switch that could have been made out of steel. But regardless, I want to talk about how in this exact scene, he opens the door to the crawl space and it opens 9,000 degrees is flooding through the door and he gets hit with it like a wave. But the button that he presses to open the door is made out of plastic motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he presses his button and it doesn't melt. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> whatever man <laughs> it's such a stupid moment that like i get that it's supposed to be this build up and it's supposed to be this big sacrifice and I, you know i'll give them trying to write this speech in order to justify him going outside that it's his baby and he built this motherfucker and blah 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 <laughs> but sacrificing a black guy for the good of the whites on the ship is really goddamn bad like you know what i mean why the fuck did they have to do this anybody could have done this on top of the fact that he takes that metal thing out that he's supposed to work with and it instantly melts when it hits the fucking deck. like why did he take that tool out there in the first place when all he had to do was turn that thing but Let's move on to the nuclear weapons for a second, Paul. (laughs) You get to the last bomb and they're arming the last bomb and Aaron Eckhart and Stanley Tucci turn towards each other and they start talking about some sort of effect and they just keep referring to this effect and they never say exactly what it is because they're talking over each other and they're mumbling. But he's like, oh, well, obviously you compensated for the blah, 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 blah. He's like, oh my God, I did. And they like run in there and he's like, this bomb has to be 37 or 30% bigger, which means that you have to have five or six pounds of plutonium in order to do that. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> he goes to the reactor and he pulls this shit out. And he t- okay, so he pulls oh. the reactor control rod out but the handles on the control rod are so hot that it is burning through his 4,500 degree. Oh, well, suit. oh man. The best part is he tries to use a chain first. And it the melts. Chain melts. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just grabs it with his hands and <laughs> he's able 4, to carry 4,500 degree suit. <laughs> but it's still melting through it. And they make a big deal of how difficult this is for him. But he gets this thing back to the bomb and he puts it next to the bomb. I'm like, okay, so yeah. a, an atom bomb <laughs> works because of nuclear fission, right? Like 
they shoot a fucking uh, electron into an already unstable environment that causes a chain reaction that causes the fucking explosion. Basically, I'm not going to go into the entire science behind it, but it is a reaction inside of a chamber. But like somehow this nuclear weapon with a fucking control rod sitting next to it adds 30% energy to the <laughs> nuclear weapon explosion. Yeah. It is so, and yeah, it just so good. happens that the control rod <laughs> just happens to be the exact size of plutonium that they need. Yeah, you can't add to the yield of nuclear weapon by setting some plutonium next to it. <laughs> it has to be within the core of the device. It has to be yeah. compressed beyond its critical mass in order to have the nuclear reaction. So just setting setting some plutonium next to it will just vaporize the plutonium and send it flying outwards. It won't react. So it, it, it's fake. I, yeah. <laughs> So it's okay. <laughs> I want to I want to skip ahead near the end of the movie and uh, talk. I, I want to skip ahead to the end of the movie because they talk about that they have twelve minutes left until they die, right? Like two minutes until the bomb goes off, and then like twelve ten minutes until the next bomb goes off, right? And so why didn't they get to fucking? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly, exactly what I'm going for, Paul. Like, they have been digging they have on, all this. They have yeah, been digging have on all each other the whole tension. goddamn movie, and like any any. Anybody in real life would be raw dogging each other in every nasty way that they could imagine possible <laughs> at this exact moment. But they're just sitting there talking to each other. And I'm like, come on, dude. People are animals. They are dumb, <laughs> stupid pieces of shit. And if they were presented with this scenario, they would be fucking hardcore at this point. But they aren't. They're just sitting there talking because, oh my God. And then it's. Well, there's, so there's that moment. Then they get out of it. But then they have like a 16 hour journey back. Yeah. And they still. Then they have like another like day or two of waiting at the bottom of the ocean. And they still haven't fucked at the end of that. What the? It's bullshit. (laughs) It's impossible. That is the most, that is the most unbelievable part of this movie right here. They have nothing to do. They're all by themselves. For days. Literal days. days. And and they don't have anything to eat either, but (laughs) regardless. So you know, Paul, they, they swished the core, right? Like they fucking bukkakied that that shit and they swished it around. (laughs) But how do they maintain it actually moving? Am I am I to believe that the decaying of the magnetic field of the core spinning around and them restarting it with these nuclear weapons is enough in order to guarantee that the core would continue to spin after they left. Well, you saw it on the the science monitors, right? You saw it spinning, right? <laughs> I mean, once once you get something spinning, then it has angular momentum and But displacing energy will... around a core doesn't mean that it spins better. Like it's still a closed <laughs> liquid system. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. It's okay, Gabe. It's just <laughs> Uh, you saw it on the sciencey monitors. You saw it spinning. It all worked out. It's fine. But of course, <laughs> of course, Paul, the fucking laser isn't working. So they're like, oh, we'll just oh, surf the magna flow out. I feel like they they missed an opportunity here for them to like shoot out of Mount St. Helens. Oh, for or, like, sure. That would have been, that would have been bad Hawaii taste though, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting out of Mount St. Helens at force. That would that would have been in bad taste. But 
they 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 go they go through the crust. This is a real problem they have. This movie is that somehow <laughs> they're able to maintain communication the entire time that they are going through the fucking crust because of magic. But regardless, I'll move past that for a second and say, well, Aaron Eckhart made that like special X-ray vision thing. You know, no, 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 communications with the surface. So they they ultrasonic powers and yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like an MRI. So see, they they. Yeah, they I just decide, explained it away with a simple simile like an MRI. There they, decide, they decide <laughs> that they are going to do this new mission that it requires them to spread the fucking you know, explosives around the core in order to restart the Earth. But meanwhile, they know that upstairs on the surface of the Earth, they are prepping Destiny to fuck this shit up and kill them. But they don't think to get on the radio for once and tell somebody that they're going to do this on top of the fact that for 20 hours minimum, they're going through the crust in order to communicate their position on where they're fucking coming out of the earth. But they don't think to mention this to the people at ground control. So they pop through the fucking earth. And of course, like all their power disappears because there's no longer any more of a fucking endothermic reaction that is causing electro electricity in order to run to the fucking core, which is a huge problem because 9,000 degrees regardless is not hot enough in order to provide the amount of power that they need. But beyond that, so they rescue them, right? They rescue them. And it just so happens that like they're pulling them through the ocean and with this giant winch that's moving really quick. But who the fuck attached the winch to the front of the machine? I mean, I know that may be a deleted scene that we didn't see or whatever. <laughs> like, the whales did it, man. The whales did it. <laughs> just pull them up magically yeah. with this fucking cable that yeah. magically attaches to the machine. And they, oh, I'm not even going to go into Ferris properties <laughs> of the earth based on high well, maybe, functioning superconductors, but whatever. Maybe they, it was like one of those claw games you know yeah they like just dive the down and grab them it's just like the moving claw comes down yeah but and they instead gotta, of like, grabbing grab it's got it. a spear out <laughs> okay sure yeah. i'll give it that. well no i mean they, they've got some divers in the water so maybe that infers that they hooked it on even though it's they do show the divers in the water but i'm like you can't yeah, skin can't dive, dive to that. <laughs> doesn't matter it's fine doesn't matter. So the whales save them like Star Trek again, but you know, I mean, whatever, it doesn't matter. But how did they have the power to pulse the ultrasonics since they don't have a fucking like core on board and are providing, it's obvious that they're dead stick on top of that life support isn't working at this point. <laughs> but they're still able to breathe. Human beings breathe a lot. <laughs> and like that small room that they're in with the gyro is not enough air to last them as long as they're on the base of the fucking ocean. But whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. So get all that past. I'm not going to- Maybe that's maybe that's why they didn't get to fucking to so they could conserve their, their air supply, you know? Hold your just breath, you dumb. Let me just yeah. slip in the tip. That doesn't require any breath. <laughs> but- <laughs> So you cut to the end of the movie and they're in rat walks into a cyber cafe, right? Which was a thing back oh, in the early yeah, 2000s. The you may cafe. not know this if you're too young, but people actually <laughs> used to go to places called cyber cafes so they could use the internet. <laughs> and it was specifically set up with a bunch of computers so you could use the internet. I feel sad that I've never actually been to one. No, we went, we went to that one anymore. in New Zealand, dude. There was that internet cafe that we went to in New Zealand that we paid like $36 for an internet connection because <laughs> they don't have net neutrality in New Zealand. But I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, we went, we went to an internet cafe when we were down there. But moving past that, he goes to the cyber cafe and he's like, he's got paper documents. 
paper document next to his <laughs> computer and he slaps that shit down and he starts typing something and he takes over all the other computers for some reason in order to cut to the next graphic, which is that he is sending these documents to CNN and Al Jazeera and every other news organization in the world in order to tell him about this mission for the unsung heroes that save the earth. But I'm like, he has paper documents and no fucking scanner. On top of that, <laughs> he could have stayed home, used his internet connection and just emailed this shit. Why did he have to go to a cyber cafe and take over everybody's computer? Well, I mean, he used their their computers to be anonymous. He didn't want to use his own IP address. A to- hacker that is able to <laughs> take down anything in the world doesn't want his IP Can't address. spoof his Get IP. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> a VPN uh. can spoof your IP. On top of even if they didn't have a VPN in 2003, he could spoof his IP pretty fucking easily. New lines of code. He'd get that shit done. So he gets the last line in the movie Rat does. And he says, destiny meet world. World meet destiny. But the point of his thing was to tell people about the unsung heroes, not to rat on the fucking government because he's a fucking rat. (laughs) I I think the whole reason that Edward Snowden did his thing was because he saw this and he's like, rat, you're a genius. I'm going to fucking send all my, all my docs to WikiLeaks. And it's going to be You know, amazing. Julian Strange can suck a dick, man. Like that guy, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was political. I'm going to cut that shit out. <laughs> so this movie, he, he says the last line and then they cut to the credits and it is this really, really awful song but then the credits the end credits start flying past the camera (laughs) toward the earth is dollying out from the earth and i'm just like you know this is one of those style (laughs) things from the early 2000s that could have really benefited from some 3d effects right there you know i mean at this time they would have used the red green or the red side by side how come movies nowadays don't have like the original song for the credits like that's (laughs) not really a thing anymore i mean james cameron does it in every movie that he's done well i mean it's been a while since he's done a song well and then disney movies you know disney movies well that goes without saying (laughs) but you know all the blockbusters like every will smith had to have I mean, think about Armageddon, dude. The fucking song, Aerosmith. Side note, that is some creepy shit in that movie where she's like, (laughs) the the song is singing and it's like Liv Tyler's dad, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith is singing the song about like wanting to be with his daughter from the perspective of Ben Affleck. And it is creepy as fuck, dude. (laughs) And then if you see the official music video of Armageddon, it's even worse. Like Steven Tyler's face is on the monitor in that big moment where Liv Tyler thinks Ben Affleck's going to die and she's like crying and puts her hands on the monitor and like kisses the monitor. And she's kissing her dad on the monitor in the fucking official music video. It's creepy. It's incestual. (laughs) Fuck that. That's why that's why they don't do original music anymore in movies. Uh, okay. The people uh, like yeah. me are gonna find a reason to hate it. <laughs> but anyway, you got any other other points on this movie you want to raise? <laughs> no, I, I think I'm good. People, that is that <laughs> is 2003's The Core, an absolute gem of a movie. <laughs> you know, I was really amused and entertained by it. Uh, Despite how bad it is, if you if you go into it thinking it's a sci-fi original, it's pretty entertaining and yeah. just yeah, yeah, just let it go. Uh, I, 
<laughs> just <laughs> the audacity of how much bullshit is in there it's pretty amazing it's a lot dude yeah. all that being because said. of this movie they they formed some sort of scientific community like consensus board that was gonna like clamp down on how inaccurate scientifically movies were <laughs> and like try to correct that so you can you can thank this movie for science being better and science consultants for movies and everything like that <laughs> so you know. I don't know about something good came out of this movie. All right. So Paul for next week, you know I mean? I know that we had talked about avatar or not avatar. I'm sorry. Underworld or uh water world maybe, or something like that. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, just talking about this, I was thinking about like disaster flicks that I'd seen over the years. And I was like, you know, maybe Dante's peak wasn't as good as I remember it being. Then <laughs> <laughs> there's other such it's cla- better than volcano. But <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Was it's better than the fucking classic that is Tommy Lee Jones in Volcano. Yeah, but yeah. there's like uh, this whole slew of like subcurrent, smaller disaster flicks that were in the wake of a bigger movie like Armageddon versus Deep Impact, Dante's Peak versus Volcano, yeah. shit like that. But there's so many of these disaster flicks that might actually be worth looking at again because disa- like Dante's Peak holds a small like special place in my heart. And I don't know why, but I remember like I haven't seen it since I was probably 14 or something like that. But it's like it's been the better part of 18 years that I haven't seen that movie. <laughs> maybe maybe it's worth revisiting. I, I know that you had mentioned Penitentiary 3, but I can't find that yeah. shit yeah anywhere. i can't find it anyway. yeah it that is a gem man just keep looking maybe maybe one day you'll be able to find it it yeah it's pretty amazing but i don't know i was I thinking like vhs of it for 400 is there is there a movie out there that attempts to address racism in america but utterly fails because it's written by a bunch of white guys something like that. i mean there's a few i mean if you want to talk about if you want to talk about shit like that one of the worst like tone deaf movies in the last like 10 years was green book which won the oscar year before last like that movie is tone deaf is fuck and it's yeah it's it's really startling because it's an entire movie structured upon the white savior complex yeah like it's so bad dude and you know i i don't want to detract (laughs) i enjoyed that movie actually i enjoyed it uh... too but like there's some glaring problems with it because it's like mahershala is the reason why that movie works but yeah like you know you want to you want to talk about like vigo mortensen like vigo mortensen's fine and he's good but like the script is fucking terrible. And the fact that it was written by the Farrelly brothers, like what the yeah. fuck? Dude? I don't know where they came out. With I don't that. know. Pretty but now they're Oscar winning directors yeah. and writers, man. Like what the fuck happened? <laughs> the same year, the same year that black Klansman is out in theaters. Yeah. They win best picture. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. That is some tone deaf shit, man, for sure. Yeah. That one's no, really bad. There's uh, the Oscars, uh, you know, claiming that they're inclusive oh, yeah. by giving a tone deaf movie written by white guys <laughs> about racism. <laughs> a, uh, an Oscar. Yeah, I mean, even in that no, movie. What man. about like the? What about Crash? The Aaron Sorkin <laughs> one. Like no, 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 no. no. Paul Haggis. I'm curious Paul Haggis. to read. Uh, Paul Haggis. Sorry. Well, wait. Didn't Aaron Sorkin write no. that? No, it's oh, Paul no, Haggis. Okay. Is that like if you revisited that now, 
would it just be complete bullshit or would it stand out? I mean, here, here's the thing about Crash, okay? Because like I, I really, really liked Crash the year that it came out. You know, yeah. In, in retrospect, you know, uh, Brokeback Mountain is the better movie, but and that should have yeah. won Best Picture. But you know, even even in retrospect, I remember I just watched it like maybe three, four years ago, and I didn't think that it was completely tone deaf. But the the biggest problem that Crash has is that it's structured upon coincidence rather than deserving it, and like yeah. the coincidence is where the catharsis comes from and that's mm. a huge problem when you're talking about racism because racism and catharsis related to racism is not based on coincidence like it is only through hard one fighting that that shit actually yeah. is able to be overcome and any yeah. sort of catharsis is able to be achieved but i mean i don't know man yeah. i mean I, I i don't think that i don't think the crash is a bad movie i think that it's yeah. kind of tone deaf in retrospect in the same way that any movie from 2000 to 2005 would use the f word in relation to gay people as a comedy as a comedy trope you know what i mean yeah and it's just it's not it rings false but it's not so egregious that yeah. i think that it's a piece of shit movie that i need to tear <laughs> apart what about silver streak silver streak you not seen that i don't know what you're talking about oh my god gene wilder and richard pryor <laughs> gene wilder gets into blackface in that oh movie. god and it's bad but it's funny and i mean richard pryor it's unfortunate because he only comes into the movie like halfway through oh, but they have God. some like great chemistry in that movie <laughs> if you if you can find it you should watch it just because <laughs> but uh that's that's a good one wow that that's like one of the first <laughs> movies anybody's ever brought up that i have no concept of what it is oh man i think it's a classic <laughs> i really like it it's on stars <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now you should just watch it for the hell of it. Tell me what you think. Uh, I don't know. You could do Blazing Saddles. Not that that's tone deaf. <laughs> Far from it, really. Yeah. That's just a fun movie to watch. Yeah, I don't think I can dog on Blazing Saddles though. No, I don't. It's I don't know if it's possible, really. That's, that's one of the... it, no. If someone hasn't seen it, they need to go watch it. Just Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Oh, for yeah, sure. Just because sure. just of how like it doesn't blunt anything about racism. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, yeah. let's talk about it over the next couple of days. You know, I know that yeah. I had told you that I want to do a deep dive on Starship Troopers because I fucking hate that movie. Oh, I love that movie, dude. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, let's do oh man, Starship Troopers, that's a good one. <laughs> it's so subversive when you look at it. It's a tacky like how movie, it talks. Man. It's tacky, but it's all about fascism. I know. I get great. it. That's the thing is that from a nebulous standpoint, I get that movie. I understand it. You know, like I understand what it's trying to do. I never read the book, which might be a huge part of what I'm missing here because it seems it's like so different from the book. It seems like everybody that I know that loves the movie loved the book. You know what I mean? And like, even though the book is so different from the movie, but I never read no. the book. So maybe I'm missing something deeper that I no. just, it's, uh, it's actually making fun of the book because the book is like so pro military and, yeah, it's all about how good fascism can be for a planet. <laughs> and <laughs> even though it's from Heinlein, which is weird because he is not a fascist. Like if you've read any of the other books there, I mean, there's a whole wide range of them. He's like a really good writer. Right. Like, Well, I mean, you read any of his stuff? I don't think so. Not off the top uh, of my head. His name's not ringing a bell. Moon is a harsh mistress. Read that one. <laughs> and ah, God. it's another one about a dude that comes from Mars and 
it's all about how he like turns the world into this big cult of peace loving beatniks. It's pretty good stuff. <laughs> He's one of the most influential uh, sci-fi writers of that era, actually. You like think? 50s and 60s. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Like He has a ton of stuff, and it's really good. <laughs> That's a bold statement. But talk, talking about that Paul Verhoeven angle, I was, I was thinking about Showgirls a lot lately. <laughs> about how that's a bad movie I was, yeah, it, like, bad it one. started with me watching G.I. Jane and thinking about Demi Moore and Striptease and how yeah. bad that movie is and then thinking about Showgirls past that and being like god damn that movie like holy <laughs> shit but talking right. about the Paul Verhoeven angle I think one of his worst is uh, Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon oh yeah that's a good <laughs> that's a good one that's a, that's a fucking bad movie man like on oh, every count good. I mean right now I'm just I'm leaning toward Hollow Man even though it's another sci-fi <laughs> flick because like I can talk about the Invisible Man at length and how yeah. and how they fucked up the Invisible <laughs> 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 And how and you know I can go into a deep dive about Paul Verhoeven too about how I've won. Yeah. I like Paul Verhoeven and there's a lot of things that I like about him over the years but like he's done some bad ones man for sure you know yeah. it's not it's not inexcusable not least of all for Starship Troopers which I just recently rewatched <laughs> it's it's really not that good of a movie man I'm sorry no, it's genius genius <laughs> but all that said thank you guys for joining us once again this is movie dicks i'm gabriel chavez and i'm paul shendel thanks for joining us guys